Before I read the scripture lesson, would you please join me in our prayer for illumination. Holy God, you revealed to the disciple the everlasting glory of Jesus Christ. Grant us who have not seen and yet believe the gift of your Holy Spirit that we may boldly live the gospel and shine with your transforming glory as people changed and changing through the redeeming presence of our Savior. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 36 can be found in your pew Bibles or up on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up unto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, taking, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, and when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Thanks be for God for his word. Now, I believe Petra is coming forward for the children's sermon. Hey, guys. Hi. Welcome. I have some pictures for you. Does anybody recognize this baby? Can you come a little closer? Does anybody recognize this baby? Does Pastor Chris recognize this baby? Yeah? Who's that baby, Pastor Chris? It's Henry. Henry is not here today, but um, I don't, do you know Henry? A little bit? Yeah? You guys also know Henry for sure. Does Henry still look like this? Not really, right? He's changed a lot. Yeah. I have another one here. Who's that? What do you think? Now you know that that first one was Henry. Who do you think this is? It's your friend. Yeah, it's Holland when Holland was a baby. Does Holland still look like this? No. More pictures. Well, this is really old, as you can tell. What do you think this baby is? Want to come a little closer? What do you think this is? No, it's not Henry. No. It's much older than Henry. What do you guys think? Can you guess? 
Caroline. 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 It could be Caroline. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Shall I give away the secret? The baby is me. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I, I want you to take a real good look at the baby and then look at me. Do I still look like the baby? No. Okay, enough evidence, right? I don't look like the baby anymore. Now, I want to show you another picture. This man in, in the picture. So the baby is still me. Can you guess who the man is? Your dad? Your dad. Great, it's my dad. Do you think that my dad, when he was holding me back then, okay, baby me, do you think my dad could imagine that one day I would look like this? No. 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 I think none of us, like if we have friends, you know, who were babies, like you guys, you, you can't really imagine that Holland one day looked like the little baby, right? Like our parents, what we will look like when we grow up. Okay, and I'm going to show you another picture. So I want you to look at um, the three people here. Who do you think the man in the middle is? Jesus. Why do, you think, why do you think that's Jesus? Because he's glowing. Because he's glowing. So, so normally when Jesus was like, you know, walking around on earth, did he normally glow? No. 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 So something happened to Jesus here that made him glow. And in the Bible, it actually says he looks like uh, a flash of lightning. That's how intense he glowed. Now, here, are, do you think, what do you guess, who, do, who are those three people here? What do you think? I have no clue. No clue? No. No? Either. So these three people here, they are Jesus' friends, his disciples. And just like my dad could not imagine that one day I would grow up to look like this, okay, his disciples cannot imagine that why suddenly Jesus is glowing. Okay? And what's happening here is, is a really, um, it's an experience that's a little bit difficult to understand, even for adults. But Jesus is on the mountain with his friends, and God speaks to Jesus, and God says, this is Jesus, this is my son, and it's really important that you listen to him. And, and the way God speaks is so powerful that Jesus changes in ways that nobody could imagine before. And just like when you guys grow up, you will be beautiful in a way that your parents can't really imagine yet. And I became beautiful in a way that my dad couldn't imagine. Here Jesus has become beautiful in a way that's really hard for his disciples to imagine. But he is beautiful anyway. And God is telling the disciples and telling us, make sure you listen to this person. That's today's sermon, basically. Shall we pray? God, we thank you today that you um, speak to all of us in special ways, that we can be beautiful for you. We thank you that you spoke to Jesus and that you are reminding all of us every day to listen to him. And so we ask that you give us ears and hearts to hear.
In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' disciples and all of the people in the countryside are all trying to figure out the same question. Who is this Jesus? In the stories leading up to today, we have been looking at the teachings of Jesus and some of his miracles. And one of the big ones that we kind of skip over because of where Ash Wednesday falls this year is the only miracle story that shows up in all four of the Gospels. And that is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, in the course of his teaching, decides to go off with his disciples for a little bit of rest, but crowds find him. There's really no place he can go without the crowds finding out where he is and word spreads. And so they all gather around him and he teaches all day long. And the people, they're starting to get hungry. And so his disciples say, Jesus, the people are getting hungry. We probably ought to send them home pretty soon. Right? It's like The church service is starting to get close to noon here. The people are getting hungry for lunch. You better wrap this up. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Oh, the disciples are incredulous. What? Give them something to eat. There are thousands of people, and we don't have any food. Jesus says, well, what do you have? Well, there's a little boy that has a couple of fishes, some loaves of bread, and Jesus takes it and breaks it apart, blesses it, and they kind of distribute it among the people, and as they're distributing, everyone is fed, and at the end, they have 12 basketfuls left over, which is like the most amazing thing that the disciples have seen, and they've seen a lot of amazing things already being with Jesus. And so they're all sitting around kind of recapping. They're going over the game tape. And Jesus says, what are people saying about me? And they say, well, some are saying that you're the prophet. Some are saying that you're Elijah, the Messiah. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And then Jesus goes on to predict for the first time with his disciples that he is going to suffer and die. He begins to teach them who he really is. They know he's a great teacher, and they know he is a miracle worker. He's a great healer. They know that he has a special relationship with God. But even though they've walked with him all this time, they still don't know who he is. I mean, in their heads, they know who he is. But it's like 
they're trying to speak another language. They can't quite describe who Jesus is. And so, after he has said these things to them, Luke tells us that he takes three of them, Peter, James, and John, and they go up on a mountain together. And there they have what can only be described as a mountaintop spiritual experience. They're sitting there and, you know, the altitude is a little bit higher and so, like, they're starting to get a little bit sleepy. Have you ever been, like, into the mountains before? For a, for a couple of summers when I was in college, I worked at a church in Denver. And the first few days, the first couple of weeks of being there, afternoon would hit and it was like I could not keep my eyes open. That's called oxygen deprivation. Now I'm not sure if the disciples are sleep deprived or oxygen deprived. I mean, they've been through a lot. But at any rate, they start to get sleepy. But, but they wake up just enough to see Jesus transformed right before their very eyes and with him, two other people, two other men. Luke names them as Moses and Elijah. Now, what do we know about Moses and Elijah? Or what would the disciples have known about Moses and Elijah? Well, these are like two of the all-stars of the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Moses is the one who leads the people in their journey through the wilderness and into the promised land. Elijah is the great prophet who goes up against evil King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and they, along with God, Elijah tears down the altars to Baal and does these miraculous and wonderful things, widely considered to be one of the most powerful prophets that God ever had chosen. Moses and Elijah. And here, Jesus is with them. And there are a lot of ways that you can understand this, I think. One way that perhaps I've preached before, considering this text comes up every single year, is that Moses is the representation of the law, Elijah the representation of the prophets, and Jesus the representation of the fulfillment of Scripture, Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. Not a bad way to think of it. That is indeed who Jesus is. But another way to think about it, and perhaps the way that we might want to consider this morning, is that Jesus is being identified with two people from Israel's history who, though they were powerful, were also rejected 
by their people. As often as Moses is held up as a great leader, if you read in your first five books of your Bible, you will find that the people complain about Moses nonstop. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to the land of slavery because at least they had meat, at least they had food. But Moses has dragged them out and has left them to die in the wilderness. They complain against him nonstop. His life is nothing but trouble. And he doesn't even get to enter the promised land. He only gets to look at it from a tall mountain before he dies. Or what about Elijah? Elijah, this this great prophet, is chased relentlessly by powerful people. Sure, he goes up against the prophets of Baal and wins. God wins a great victory that day. But Jezebel chases him down. And he's bewildered. He's afraid. He's scared for his very life. Elijah is not a beloved person. Moses is not a beloved person in their lifetimes. History looks kindly on them. But in the moment, rejected by their own people. I wonder if in trying to reorient his disciples to what it means to be a person of power in God's kingdom, if God does not supply these instances of people who were close to God but rejected by people in power. The way of being Messiah, the way of being great in the kingdom of God, Jesus says this in his teachings, right? Who is greatest in the kingdom of God? Kids, children, or servants, those who are willing to take a lower position than others. Those who are least in this world are greatest in the kingdom of God. You see, I think when Peter tells Jesus that he believes that he is the Messiah, he has power in mind. This is an oppressed people. And they have been under the thumb of the Romans and before them the Antiochans, before them the Babylonians, before them the Assyrians, before them the Egyptians. Like the Israelites have a long history of being oppressed. They have a long history of being enslaved. But finally, perhaps in Jesus, as God's chosen one, is someone who can finally throw off the shroud of oppression and finally punch those Romans right in the nose 
But Jesus is trying to show them another way. A way that shows that conventional power is not powerful in the kingdom of God. Conventional power only leads to suffering and destruction. It's fitting, I think, that we look at this particular passage today when there is ground war in Europe for the first time since the Second World War. When a person of power who wants to extend that power enters another country in violent warfare. But you can see something interesting happening across the rest of the world, identifying that power as destructive and standing with those who are oppressed in solidarity. In fact, Matt prayed for Ukraine this morning, and we will pray again toward the end of the service. We see this all the time. We see that the conventional wisdom is that you grasp power and you hold on to it at all costs. But that's not the way God works. That's not who Jesus is, and that isn't what it means for Jesus to be the chosen one. And so throughout this season of Lent, as we kick it off on Ash Wednesday, and for 40 days, not counting Sundays, leading up to Easter, Jesus tries to teach his disciples what it means for him to be the Messiah and what it means for us to worship Jesus as the Messiah. Now, Peter, bless his heart, sees this experience going on and has to try to control it, has to try to put boundaries around it. He says, hey, this is great. We should build some shrines or some temples or something here to, to solidify this event in our minds. And just then, this cloud envelops them. And we know from the story of the Exodus that the cloud is what God uses to protect the people from God because God is too great. If you see God, you don't live to tell about it. And so the cloud comes as a way to hide but also to help them to understand just what is happening in their midst and a voice says to them, here is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the air clears, Jesus is back to his old self. Moses, Elijah, nowhere to be found. 
And Peter and James and John are so struck by what they have experienced that they don't tell anyone. At least not until after they experienced everything that Jesus went through in his trial and his death and his resurrection. Then they tell the story because then they can begin to understand what it meant. But it's a strange and unusual story. It's hard to fully understand and hard to fully grasp. It's the kind of story that is perhaps best experienced rather than explained which is easy to say after I've been explaining it for like 25 minutes now at this point. But perhaps it's best to leave today with those words from God in our ears and in our hearts to carry us through this season of Lent. Jesus is God's son, God's chosen one, Let's listen to him. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Almighty God, we don't fully understand. We don't have all the answers. We don't have perfect insight into who you are, or into who Jesus is, or even into who we are. We don't see things clearly. So Lord, at the start of this journey into the season of Lent, we pray that this journey would reveal some things to us. That we might ourselves be changed and transformed by this journey that we are on. Lord, may we not be the people that we once were. In these stories, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, transform us that we might be more like you. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me now as we affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? People of God, what do we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.